Good news, you got an acting job in a feature film opposite an international film superstar. Bad news, that superstar is a pig made out of felt. How do you succeed in this role? Is it best to underplay it? Should you chew up the scenery? We hope to get answers to questions like this with this episode's topic, the Mount Rushmore of human roles in Muppet films. This is the Mount Rushmore podcast, where we debate and deliberate the top four items of any given topic. My name's Jeff, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friends Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. And Mount Rushmore of cameos in Muppet films. Michael, why'd you choose it? Well, uh, a long time ago, we had a uh, episode that was all about Muppets. Very a very controversial controversial episode. for some. It ended yeah. with a storming out and a <laughs> noisily eating taco situation. Yeah, and it was so. it was a mess. But uh, what makes Muppet movies so great is not only the Muppets themselves. It's always great to see how straight these characters are played by the actors. Whether they, you know, because all of a sudden, just the world. You have to believe that they're just in this world with talking pigs and talking chickens and talking everything and monsters it's just the world that they live in and it is so ridiculous to watch just like the deadpan interaction on screen or it's or there's ridiculous performances and i like that the muppets is so silly and brings it all out and i think that there is a wide variety of different performances that you can get acting next to some guy with a hand up a felt yeah ass. yeah i was thinking about this from an acting standpoint and Two non-Muppet puppets were came to mind. One was Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. Mm-hmm. And Robert Smigel had commented that when he thinks a person deals best with Triumph the Insult Comic Dog is not when they try to come back at Triumph with some witty rejoinder or try to insult Triumph. is when they just laugh and have fun with Triumph and just kind of embrace the roast that they're getting from this dog. And I think that's true with a roast in general. Uh, because I think you look dumb when you're trying to outperform a puppet of any kind. I feel like the same thing happened on Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Oh, yeah. Anytime that someone would be on the show, and if they just sort of went with it, yeah. it was much better than trying to fight against yeah. like, the, the insanity. Yeah, that if was you're happening. like Willie Nelson or somebody, and if you're just laughing at this animated ghost that's that's having his way with you, then you're winning, or at least you're you're coming out even. It also made me think of... Uh, Yoda and Mark Hamill spending weeks at a time on a set in Pinewood Studios trying to do believable st- acting with this. It was with 18 this. inch tall puppet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With Frank Oz off to the side, like yeah. doing the lines. And Mark Hamill uh, was great at playing Luke Skywalker because he was Luke Skywalker. He was almost a teenager and this kind of very slight um, boy when Star Wars started. But I wouldn't say Mark Hamill was in danger of winning like an Olivier Award or a BAFTA or like an Oscar or maybe even like a Nickelodeon's Kids' Choice Acting Award at any point, even though those weren't awarded then. But he brought Yoda to life for me. I felt like he was doing half the performing for that for that puppet. Yeah, yeah. And, and although we're not talking about the Muppet TV series, the, yeah. you know, the... Uh, he was like phenomenal, just acting against Miss Miss Piggy in that too. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. like he he brought whatever that believability. Yeah. Straight into a Muppet world outside of like a sci-fi fantasy world. Yeah. Well, as we go forward, I'd love to uh, have little side jaunts when we figure out who does it well and why do they do it well. 
Uh, so Michael chose it. So Richard starts. All right, my first choice is the insolent waiter in the Muppet movie. Of course, mine. Too. Although it's yes. known as Steve Martin, it has to be the number <clears throat> one best cameo human. It might be even the best Steve Martin performance <laughs> of all time. It's definitely the most Steve Martin performance, at least in terms of his 1970s wild and crazy guy yeah, type yeah, yeah. persona. Um, just everything about this scene is sort of like, I think what you, you sort of mentioned, do you underplay it? Do you, do you overplay it? In this case, Steve Martin overplays it yeah. to the hilt yeah. for the very specific purpose of playing this waiter who is just a complete jerk yeah. and wants nothing to do with with the cheapskates that are Piggy and, uh, and mm-hmm. Kermit the Frog. Yeah. I, I will say at that point, Steve Martin was at, has a solid character that he... In the Muppet film, many of the cameos were based on an actual character that the person was playing into, unlike uh, maybe Richard Pryor's The Friendly Balloon Salesman or right. something like that. But, uh, but Steve Martin was written well for in that... Uh, well written for in that right. scene, because he was playing his obnoxious guy. And you couldn't... I mean, you, that was clearly something that it had to be written for Steve Martin. Yeah. Like I can't I can't imagine there would have been another actor at the time who would have it would have worked with. Mm-hmm. What's funny about the role now looking back, you know, 30 almost 40 years ago is that such comments like um, you know, would you like to sniff the bottle cap? Yeah. Like at the time Maybe only the cheapest wines were had a bottle cap on there. Now, bottle caps on wines are... Fairly uh, common. Yeah, fairly common. So yeah. it's not like that of in the moment. I mean, it still kind of denotes a lesser wine, mm-hmm. I would say, to like a connoisseur or whatever. Would, would also one of the finest wines of Idaho <laughs> count as... <laughs> is, is... It is just, it is just the, the perfectly, like you said, the perfectly written scene. But it, it just speaks to that time, and he's so obnoxious to... This little romantic moment between yeah. them, right? <laughs> I do appreciate his outfit too, the sports coat, uh, sports coat, and the short shorts. Yeah, a, I, a winning combo. I think also he's playing opposite, uh, not uh, a big guy like Sweetums or or a kind of a crazy, crazy uh, mishmash of of animal like Gonzo, uh, but he's playing opposite of. Uh, Kermit, who has so much pathos to him. Right, the most lovable character in the whole series, basically. And is often one of the most underplayed uh, characters and the most easily injured uh, from an emotional standpoint. (laughs) Like, he'll just get into that kind of gulp kind of uh, posture. But he doesn't in this scene, though. He kind of just... Kermit kind of just plows through the scene like this is totally... Well, he's normal. Kermit yeah. is so confident trying to portray that to Miss Piggy mm-hmm. that he's just he, he's trying to act like he's been there before. He's trying to act right. like this is no big deal. This date and she's just swooning all over him. Yeah, may you? Yeah, can you taste it for me? <laughs> I do love like his final his final line later when he comes in and he says, um, "Phone call for Miss Piggy. Are you Miss Piggy?" <laughs> and it just speaks to like this is just the world that they're in. That like. I don't know. He like I, the potential disbelief that there could be another Miss Piggy yeah. out yeah. there. I think it's great. I think at the time, uh, Steve Martin might have been a maybe the biggest stand-up comedian and an individual who had done a lot of television specials, but was not necessarily a film star mm. yet. And so his uh, star rating was probably less than Kermit. At that moment. Well, let's see. Uh, Muppet movie came out in 79. Jerk came out in 79. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know which one came out first. Yeah. Uh, Man with Two Brains. 
probably 81, 82. Yeah, Mm -hmm. a little later. Yeah. So I I would say that when you're going up against the Muppets, you're going against some people who, when viewed by the audience that goes to see those films, like I remember going to see the Muppet movie, and I think I had an idea of who Milton Berle was from having seen him Uh on Saturday Night Live once. Mm -hmm. But you are uh, on their turf. In some cases. And he had been on the TV show previously. Yeah, okay. And yeah. one of the, not weirder episodes, but one of the more atypical episodes where there wasn't a laugh track. Oh, whole, is that right? Yeah, the whole episode is, um, Steve Martin is, they're doing auditions uh-huh. for the for the troupe. Uh-huh. And so Steve Martin is kind of part of that, and he does his banjo bit and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had been part of the, the Muppet world before, so I think that may be why he felt... Why it felt it feels like he's comfortable? Yeah, in the movie. That's funny because I think of Steve Martin almost as a Steve Martin as a not ready for primetime player too because he f- he had so many running sketches on and he was on so many times yeah. right yeah. Um, <clears throat> one thing I think too he benefits from were Meryl Streep to be on <laughs> the Muppet show or Muppet movie she might her not her lack of an over the top persona might not serve her well in scenes with felt. Uh, puppets and things like that. Yeah, I think that's one thing you see, and I, I, I see this in I, pretty much all of my choices, is there are people who, you're, you're kind of bringing what you know about those people. Yeah, yeah. And sort of the, the characters that they often play mm-hmm. and their personas that they have. And, and I think oftentimes in the Muppet movies, they're, they're playing off of that, whether they're sort of going big on it or kind of subverting it. Mm-hmm. But certainly, whoever they are, they kind of bring that to the role. That's interesting. Yeah. I will say that uh, out on Facebook, where we crowdsourced some responses to this, Steve Martin was a clear uh, winner. Justin Marchert, uh, Steve Martin in the Muppet movie, to which Chris Hutchings co- commented, would you like to smell the bottle cap? So they, they, he was a clear standout uh, from Bruce Green as well. Steve Martin, hands down. There were a lot of other suggestions, but Alan Simpson also commented that uh, Steve Martin was his choice too. So he was a big favorite out there on the crowdsource on Facebook. So uh, you guys each chose the Muppet movie. Uh, Richard chose it first, so Michael will choose his second pick. Uh, my second pick is uh, human Muppet Zach Galifianakis. Oh, wow. oh, okay, there we go. Hobo Joe in the movie The Muppets from 2011 and Muppets Most Wanted from wow. 2014. Um, this is one of those almost blink and you'll miss him sorts of roles, especially in Muppets Most Wanted, where mm-hmm. he's kind of just in the audience for Kermit and Piggy's wedding. Well, it's not Kermit's wedding. It's the uh, imposter Kermit. Constantine. Constantine. Or... Mm-hmm. But uh, he just, they're trying to, you know, revive the Muppets and they bring in as much of an audience as they can in the in the movie The Muppets, the 2011 one, into the theater, and it's yeah. just filled with like all of these homeless and hobo <laughs> Muppet characters, and then also Zach Galifianakis's <laughs> Hobo Joe, and he really only has one line. Uh-huh. He has one line and one singing part, and he's sitting there, and uh, the audience is, you know, there's almost nobody in the audience, and. Someone says, there's nobody in the audience. And Fozzie turns and says, what about Hobo Joe? And he just stands up and says, nobody remembers or everybody forgets about Hobo Joe. <laughs> and it's just so wonderful and silly. And, like, that's all Zach 
Galifianakis yeah. does. Yeah. Later on in like a singing montage, he's voiced by Joanna Newsom in this <laughs> super high, crazy falsetto <laughs> that they, they bring her in to kind of sing over it. But I love those, like, I like that when the characters buy into it too, or yeah. the actors. It's yeah. like, we want you to be a hobo in a Muppet movie. Done. And you can see like, this is just this nice little twinkle in his eye. Yeah. Nice little, it's a small performance, but it's one that is just like, yeah. I think sometimes, um, some, you have to let it be like a Muppet movie at times. Yeah. Not all the times, because maybe some of our other picks, but it's a Muppet movie with human kind of ancillary characters. I think that's why I didn't really care for like the Jason Siegel performance all that much. Uh, really? I, I don't know. It was just I too much Jason Siegel, mm-hmm. And it was, uh, who was the uh, other girl that was in it? Oh, uh, Amy Adams. I, I, I just thought too much, too many humans. Yeah. I liked huh. it when they're like, humans are pushed to the side. Yeah. <laughs> pushed to the side of society like hobos. Too. Right. Like hobo Joe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hobo Joe. Yeah. That's an, in, that's, I think a new comment to add a new dimension to this discussion is you have to, uh, appear on camera to be a fan of the Muppets, just like everybody else. Like you have to stand, I think, if a, a human looks like they're trying to steal the spotlight away from these characters that we love, then then I, as an audience member, am not going to root for you because mm. I think you you you're here to support these. You're here to set dressing to get them from one tableau to another, not to steal the show. Well, I always you know I've been watching a lot of Sesame Street with my son Felix, who's now just over two, mm. and it's always great to see these actors come in to a Muppet world or a puppet wor- Muppet world. We'll call it a Muppet world. Whether it was on either the Muppet show or it's oh on Sesame. I know Richard's seething right now. I mentioned Sesame Street. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have several follow that bird choices that I was not <laughs> allowed to make. So, um, but like just the interaction is like the best ones are the ones that just kind of open up and you're just like, and fall into whatever. Yeah. Fall into the part. And uh-huh. I, I could see Zach Galifianakis. I'm sure he's done a Sesame Street. And, you know, probably Big Bird's trying to spell his name or pronounce yeah. his name. And I'm sure yeah. it's 90% of the episode. <laughs> or maybe he gets him confused with Snuffleupagus. <laughs> okay, Richard, what's your second choice? All right, so I am kind of doing one choice from each of the first three movies, otherwise okay. known as the Golden Trilogy. It's not really known as that, but, <laughs> you know, the three classic yeah. ones. And then a wild card from one of the new ones. Okay. So my choice from The Great Muppet Caper, the most underrated of the Muppet movies um, is John Cleese. Oh, all right. As um, Neville. Neville, thank you. And he basic basically his role is to play uh, Basil Fawlty. Yeah. In this scene, and kind of be British and someone who is un in unflappable in the face of a pig and a frog invading <laughs> his house. Um, he basically spends the he basically spends the entire scene trying to ignore the fact that Miss Piggy and Kermit the Frog are now attempting to pretend now she's now attempting to pretend this is her house and um, that they are here and they exist and there are these little felt animals uh-huh. running around um, and of course when he finally gets up the nerve to go do something about it he gets ready to attack them with a uh, poker and then decides oh well. When he's confronted by them, they see him. Oh, well, is there anything I can do to help you? (laughs) Just basically, again, another person who had been on The Muppet Show. Yeah. So was kind of familiar with that world. Somebody whose persona, and I think as a performer, and a kind of 
played through to this cameo that they gave him was obviously someone who's very refined and British and mm-hmm. can play that kind of stuffy sort stiff, of uh, c- constant stiff, stiff upper lip. Yeah, nothing nothing mm-hmm. will get past him. Yeah, Stiff upper lip type of uh, certain upper class, upper middle class uh, British chap. And they kind of just took that role and went, they took that persona and they, they just went with it. So I think that's that's one where he underplays the role. Yeah. Instead of this is a c- contrast mm-hmm. to Steve Martin, who's overplaying yeah. what he's doing. I think John Cleese is by definition underplaying everything, much like his character is underplaying everything that is happening around him. Mm-hmm. I do like the poker is the traditional upper class weapon of choice. <laughs> it's either a rapier or it's yeah. or it's a poker. <laughs> poker. I mean, the only thing he could have had is possibly if he had a suit of armor laying or like sort of propped up in the corner and he could have taken a sword from it. But yes, that is very much an Agatha, Agatha Christie uh, standard. I do. I think I recall him in the Muppet show. I remember looking back and thinking there's times where I almost feel like he's overplaying it, like he's so big. And Cleese has such a towering stature that on Python, he could really dominate any other character. Right, and then you, you're talking about like foot and a half tall yeah. woodland creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's 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 pretty 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 great choice. Um, I love the fact that as, as a child, I don't know if I even knew that this was this subversive show with these crazy characters that was related to i knew it was related to sesame street but i didn't know it was coming out of england at the time no it was that it was never really played up but there was certainly the a connection there with some of the casting that they did and mm-hmm. certainly when they made great muppet caper you know it was i think it was a, a no-brainer to have john cleese involved yeah yeah Okay, so we are at our halftime, yes, and uh, this is pretty awesome. Um, and I want to say that I want to thank so much the people out on Facebook who suggested uh, responses for the Mount Rushmore of humans that have had roles in Muppet films. And thanks so much for giving your responses. I also want to thank a person who is going to be the uh, who chose our next episode, which is coming up next week, and that is the Mount Rushmore of good dumb movies. And that is Lloyd Umali. And Lloyd, Laser Lloyd Umali is a friend of the podcast and a longtime friend of the podcasters, uh, Richard, Mike, and myself. Uh, so I want to invite you out there to be our buddy and suggest by going on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, suggest topics for future episodes, or let us know what we missed on past episodes. You could also be our buddy by going to iTunes, going to Spotify, going to iHeartRadio, going to Stitcher, uh, downloading, rating, review past episodes, and um, giving it the amount of stars or dots or checks or hamburgers or whatever that you see appropriate for it, and leaving a review that you see appropriate for it, a glowing one or a double glowing one, I'm not sure, whatever you deem appropriate. So we would appreciate that. And just a reminder, yep, next week it's going to be the Mount Rushmore of good, dumb movies, and who knows, Steve Martin might be an answer in that category as well cheaper by the dozen too pretty good (laughs) pretty dumb uh we're back and it looks like michael is the respondent for the third choice here well i know i said when i don't like it when um human characters are the main characters but that goes all out the window with uh, michael kane as ebenezer scrooge oh wow Um, wow, that's a good choice in um a muppet christmas carol Mm -hmm. where he I don't think the movie would have worked if you had a Muppet Ebenezer Scrooge. I think you needed... I mean, he's the main character. He has, you know, obviously the most change 
we've talked about Christmas Carol a number of times, or at least once yeah. before. But his performance is one where you actually need a dramatic role because mm-hmm. he's not a funny character. He's not a Muppet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, that is. And I can't imagine who they would, if you were to make this movie, you need someone with that certain sense of gravitas to pull off a very dramatic role. And he actually does it amongst this, you know, this town of weirdos and do you think they o- Do you think they even offered him this role? Or was this the phase where Michael Caine was doing every movie possible? Do you think he just showed up at yeah. Pinewood Studios <laughs> yeah. or wherever they were filming this? and was like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm ready for my, my part now. <laughs> I do like the idea that some British actors just have every role memorized. Yeah. And they could just walk in at some point and they're just like, what are we doing, Scrooge today? Yeah. I, I, okay, let me, which part? I can do every, I can do every, every Scrooge, you know? Yeah. He pulls, you know, he's certainly a very, like, he pulls a very, like, dramatic Alistair, St- Alistair Sim-type yeah. oh, yeah, performance, yeah. and then there's a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> he does all these things that are just, you know, he's cruel in the movie, mm-hmm. and he has this big change in it, like Scrooge is supposed yeah. to, well, it's and not he's a, standing next to Gonzo. It's not a super funny movie. It's not. It's not, because it's a... Because it's, yeah, it's freaking Christmas Carol, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can imagine them like in the just the casting interview. Have you ever worked with puppet animals before? <laughs> Have you seen Jaws? <laughs> Do you? I think the casting when we're reading about the casting of Wedding Crashers, and they were saying, had they not cast Christopher Walken as this paternal, as this patriarch, the guy who's at the height of this family structure, it and had him play it fairly straight, it wouldn't have been so there wouldn't have been any danger for them to go into this family and be imposters. And so I feel like if they hadn't cast somebody with the stature of a Michael Caine, if they'd if cast, they cast Christopher Walken, Christopher it would have worked. <laughs> it would have been a ridiculous Christopher yeah. Walken in a or what if John, movie, and it would have been a lot sillier. What if John Maybe Cleese was the person? Mm. If John Cleese was it, you go, this guy's a comedian. How how dangerous is Scrooge really in 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 this thing, and, and uh, all of my choices, by the way, are more cameo on the cameo side of things. Yeah. Um, the one I did consider as a uh, more of a long form leading man role would be Charles Grodin oh, in, sure. uh, oh, in yeah. Great Muppet Caper. Um, didn't choose him because I already had one from that movie, but also someone who basically plays it straight the entire movie, yeah. mm-hmm. like he, like he, a believable romance with Miss Piggy <laughs> <laughs> somehow. He does a little bit of like hamming it up when they're on like the big dance floor scene. Yes. Um, but yeah, he's. He's mainly playing it straight. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Michael Caine's a great choice. And like you said, like Scrooge is one of these characters that does an amazingly kind of magical turn. We have to believe that he, uh, after seeing, meeting the ghosts and in one evening, is able to change from the worst guy on the planet <laughs> to the best guy. And if it was wrestling, it'd be a hell of a face turn. Yeah, <laughs> really. Totally. Uh, Richard, your third. All right, my third choice from the third Muppet movie, known as Muppets Take Manhattan, uh, John Rivers. Also my choice. Oh, oh wow. is it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, fantastic! Right. I would have okay. thought that we would have been more divergent. I thought the Steve Martin one was an obvious one, but I'm, I'm glad we glad we chose this. Yeah, it's such a nice cameo. It's a great cameo. Apparently, she had a little trouble getting into the role, so they got her a couple of Bloody Marys between takes. Oh wow! And uh, helped with the performance <laughs> quite a bit. Uh, that came from Frank Oz. <laughs> really? So apparently, that's a thing that happened. But yeah, as the cosmetics worker, um, who uh, basically. And it's basically just partially a chance for her to do her shtick. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, that's that's essentially what it says. He even go, starts off with the can we talk mm-hmm. line. Um, and I also like the fact that they use this as a launching point to have a fake feud between Miss Piggy and Joan Rivers over the years, that yeah. lasted over the years. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they kind of, and they would, when they would do specials, sometimes Joan Rivers would come on and they would talk about how they have this rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love the fact that they kind of took this one role in this cameo performance and turned it into this part of the folklore yeah. of the Muppets. Oh, that's great. That's great. So that is your final choice as well. Yeah, is mine too. Okay. I think it's just... By the time you get to Muppets Take Manhattan, it's they really used up a lot of their talent yeah. in the first Muppet movie. I mean, from um, Steve Martin and Richard Pryor, Orson and Welles, Orson Welles as mm-hmm. uh, Lou, uh, uh, as uh, I forget his name now. The, the guy L- gives not him, Lou Grade. No, mm-hmm. the guy that that's gives, the actual guy. <laughs> that gives him the uh, contract, um, but. You mean the standard rich and famous contract? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that movie is so good. I got to go watch it again. I tried to watch it with Felix and he wasn't into it yet. Yeah, he's too young. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, what's his name? Roller skating through the park. Gregory Hines. Gregory Hines. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it starts to get a little thinned out by the third Muppets movie in six years. Yeah. So Joan Rivers at the time really felt like, wow, that's one of the biggest stars they could have got in 1984. I think, what too, it's just such a raucous performance as they're kind of putting makeup on each other and just drawing lipstick and rouge on each other and powdering each other with their face and just, you know, must be so much, (laughs) that must have been so much fun to just like be crazy with a Muppet and not just have like a downplayed role or a Uh downplayed acting performance, but to be like just big and audacious. Yeah, on some ways, on some level, you get the feeling it's it's, less scripted than a lot of the other performances yeah. would be necessarily just sort of feels like just kind of have fun and go with it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, so uh, that kind of answers a little bit of the questions that I kind of posed at the beginning of this is how do you, how do you best dispatch this role? And I think the thing is to just believe in it and be in the world with that character. Yes. And, and be reactive just like you would with a, all human <laughs> performer and it made me think also think about like how um people have acted in uh scenes with a cg character to be added in later mm. uh in that case they don't have the tennis ball on a the stick. tennis ball on a stick they don't they're not lucky enough to have frank oz um or jerry jewel or is that no, that's a writer um to have these seasoned performers who can be in the moment with them so it's very different. It's not like you're acting with an inanimate object. You're acting with a performer. Often when um, I take uh, my son to the park, uh, I play a game that's called um, uh, Sword Acting Group or LARPers. <laughs> oh, okay. No, okay. <laughs> and, you, and I try to figure out which, which one is it. Is it the one that's yeah. trying, to be, trying to teach like stage, stage sword combat. play? Okay, stage yeah. combat, thank you. Or yeah. is it the one that's trying to, is it just like the guys that are, Goofing around, in goofing the park. around, yeah. Being LARP guys, that yeah. Are a, a little taking it a little too seriously. Oh, okay. It makes me think that there should be an acting class that is acting with Muppets, with a Muppet, or acting with puppets, or acting with tennis balls on a stick. Yeah, that this is something that we can get into. Oh well, my let's God. write up some fake credentials. <laughs> Ooh, let's make some fake puppets. 
Oh, yeah. And just teach acting classes that get people comfortable with acting against felt. I think that's a pretty good idea that you didn't hear on the Mount Rushmore podcast. Redacted. Redacted. redacted edited out. Redacted. Uh, so, uh, speaking of good ideas, what's your last one? Rick? All right, my last one, a, the, the wild card from the... Uh, oh. From the Muppets. The non-golden. The non-golden trilogy. That's not a real thing. Uh-huh. Um, Dave Grohl. Oh, right, As okay. fake animal in the band <laughs> The Muppets. The Muppets. That's pretty cool. Where they find uh, find Fozzie Bear, I believe, yeah. is who it is. I, and I think this one is played... I remember watching this movie in the theater. Mm-hmm. And I remember some scenes getting very emotional about it. Yeah, like like when they have the scene where they go back to what's supposed to be the dilapidated Jim Henson Studios. Yeah, like that was actually emotional for yeah. me. But then there are some scenes that like a cameo would come up, like the Jack Black one, for example, mm-hmm. in that, or several other ones where the theater actually started applauding just yeah. by seeing something. Mm-hmm. And as soon as Dave Grohl shows up in the background playing drums with this like ridiculous wig on as fake animal yeah the entire entire audience broke it like yeah Yeah. does dave Grohl has he had continuous like keanu reeves energy yeah yes like that good like everybody loves keanu reeves like like a lot right now we talked about that recently yeah has dave Grohl just always been like oh well everybody likes dave Grohl. even when he was in like nirvana he was always like the goofy drummer in the background and then he survived nirvana and became the front man of this inc- the most successful band in the world for a brief period <laughs> of then, time and then like transition that into like comedy bits with jack black and uh you know kyle gas on uh uh tenacious d and then yeah and playing a concert with a broken leg or yeah like he's had bringing maybe a he's, kid on stage he's yeah. just a <clears throat> tremendously like great guy that is actually mm-hmm. just who happens to be a who happens to be this world famous yeah. rock musician mm-hmm. yeah. i think that's I think he is, if we were going to do the Mount Rushmore, I don't think we should do this because it would be terribly depressing, but the Mount Rushmore of people I would be really bummed to hear something awful about, he would be like right at the top of the list. Yeah. Like if it turned out he was like, you know, an awful person, like something awful came out about him. Mm -hmm. I would feel terrible if it was dave Grohl. yeah i feel confident we're not going to but i i, I think part jinxed it sorry. i know sorry the Grohl estate and family <laughs> yeah knowing us we probably just killed him the way the way we roll on this show when you mention somebody they usually die within a couple of months so r.i.p sorry Grohl estate um but i think part of it is that made it funny was the fact that when he was in nirvana when he was the drummer he looked like Animal. If you remember him playing as the drummer from Nirvana, he he was very much head rocking, super long hair flying all over the place. He was as close to an actual living persona of Animal as the drummer as he could yeah, possibly yeah. get. So I think that's partially why, it, for me, why it kind of worked as well as it did. Yeah. Well, those are some great choices, and I think I feel like I got a really co- cool kind of ex- examination of all these different uh, questions, kind of felt, and I think the audience uh, suggested some great s- things. I want to I want to go over some of the things that are that our audience, uh, JB Anderton, um, who I will be going on JB Anderson's Bat Seventy Seven podcast and repping Mount Rushmore uh, tomorrow night. JB Anderton has a great podcast talking about Frank Oz dressed as a biker throwing Fozzie out of the bar. And you can see him mouthing the words waka waka 
And hmm. do you guys know what what movie that was? I Bike? think it's the first one. Is it the first one? It has to be the bar scene, right? Okay, yeah. yeah. At yeah. the El Slizo Cafe. At the El Slizo. Um, and then um, there's uh, PJ Bayo said Quentin Tarantino in The Muppets Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Do we remember that one? Oh, yeah. He, he's pitching Batman. He, or he's pitching, uh, not Batman, he's pitching uh, uh, Kermit the Frog. On some, I can't remember. I think it's. I think he might be pitching him on Wizard of Oz, but it's like it devolves into this like samurai knife yeah. swords, and <laughs> you know, it basically, it's him copped up on coke. Yeah, you know, basically playing himself, hopped up uh, on coke. Jam Bascom Gibbous, my Allegedly. sister-in-law, Dom DeLuise, which was a pretty great cameo. Hulk Hogan in Muppets from Space. Oops, I just clicked on the YouTube link. Oh, no, we're going to have to hear that. Um, Hulk Brother. Hogan in <laughs> Muppets in Space. Doesn't help that he's already a Muppet, kind of, to begin with. Uh, Brian Schmeling, Dabney Coleman in Muppets Take Manhattan. And now my, maybe it's a good thing, my browser locked up. So. I uh, the, the one from Muppets in Space that I always appreciated was Ray Liotta. Because that's like the least Muppet type. Yeah. Performer you can possibly imagine. I have two Muppets blank spots, and that is um, that's one of them. Muppets from Space and Muppet Treasure Island. I never saw. Oh, really? Yeah, a a a, a lovely Tim Curry performance mm. in Muppets Treasure Island. So that might be I one. Check that one out. To check out in Muppets. Hey, Disney Plus coming up pretty soon. I'm sure it'll be right there. And Muppets in Space. You know, it had some lot of it had some good bits. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but it had some good bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me just round this out because there's just a few more comments, and they're all really great. Um, there was Jim Coughlin, Salma Hayek in Muppets Most Wanted, Billy Connolly in Muppet Treasure Island. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did I say, okay, also, um, uh, Prince, this was not from a Muppet film, but Prince on Muppets Tonight. And I don't, I don't know how you can get more cool than Prince doing just about anything. Uh, Carol Kane in the Muppet movie. Yes. That's a great one. Yes. 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 (laughs) Myth. Myth. Yes. And Paul Lurie did say that he liked Jim Parsons in the Jason Siegel Muppet film. So this is where we part ways, Lurie. It's been a good run. <laughs> it's been a good run, buddy. <laughs> nice knowing you, pal. Uh, but thank you for all of those comments. And let's now chisel into the Mount Rushmore, our Mount Rushmore of human roles in Muppet films. And we're going to have to go with Steve Martin and Joan Rivers because both our dudes chose them. And then let's just go with Dave Grohl and Michael Caine, because I love them. Two guys who are legends in their own separate ways. What are the similarities between Dave Grohl and Michael Caine? None. None. Okay. Uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore of human roles. Glad we cleared that up. Uh, glad we cleared that up. Well, <laughs> Check that off, internet. <laughs> if you do an internet search for similarities between Dave yeah. Grohl and Michael Caine, aside from being on a, in a Muppet movie, just say none. That's it. That's it. I guess they're both film stars, too, because they've been they're in movies. Muppet movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore of human roles and cameos in Muppets films. Next week, it is the Mount Rushmore of good, dumb movies. And see you then. As always, I'm Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. 